You're listening to audio from New Horizon Worship Center, located in Waco, Georgia. If you would like additional resources, please visit us online at www.NewHorizonWorshipCenter.org. All right, if you turn it with me, we're going to start in Matthew. Today, I'm going to start out by talking to you about getting stuff stolen. It's aggravating when something gets stolen from you. We talked about some stuff getting stolen last week, and it got me thinking, and and it's aggravating getting stuff stolen from you. We're going to talk about getting some stuff stolen from you, and we're going to talk about getting drunk. Hang on, you'll see. First, we'll talk about something that's been stolen. You know, my coffee cup got stolen. And now I have to go down to the police department and look at mug shots. I'm just kidding. Don't laugh at stuff like that. It encourages me. (laughs) So my question for you as we get started today is, what has stolen your gratitude? What in your life has stolen your gratitude and made you not grateful? We're supposed to be thankful. And as Christians, and as we look at all the commands throughout Scripture, we should be the most thankful people on earth. We know what Jesus did for us. We're saved. We've accepted salvation. So we should be the most thankful people there are. We can also look back at our past and and the pain and anything that we've been through and see how God's worked it together for our good and taught us and grown us and, and made us who we are because of what we've been through. And yet half the time when I look at myself and other Christians, I see a bunch of grumbling, complaining. We're not really as thankful as we should be. So... If I asked you right now, what are you thankful for? Man, you should be able to just start going on and on and on and on about things that you're thankful for. Pretty aggravating if you ask your kids, what are you thankful for? And they have to sit there and think for a while. It's kind of insulting as a father. Hey, Sky, what are you thankful for? Man, if he has to sit there for a long time and scrunching up his nose and thinking and Why don't you start with the house that you live in for free? That you've never had to pay a bill in your life, that you got food, that you get to play sports with. I bet I can think of a lot of things. I wonder if that's how God feels about us sometimes. Like you're grumbling so much, but you know, I've provided you with all this. I've given you so much and all you can think to do is complain about that one negative area that you can find. I don't want to be that kind of kid. What do you have in your life that you used to be thankful for and now all you do is complain about it? Is it a child? You first, oh, thank you, God, you gave me this kid. I'm so thankful for him, but now all you do is gripe and complain about them because how much of a headache they are and how much of a burden they are. Or maybe it's a spouse. God, I want to be married. God, give me this, give me a relationship. And now you're not thankful for them anymore. All you do is complain, gripe about them. Maybe it's a church. 
Well, it cracks me up. When people first start coming to church here, all they got to do is talk to me after church about how awesome it is and how great the worship is and how good the preaching is and how, but, but let them stay here for a while and buddy that a lot of times that'll turn around and they start pointing out all the problems, how bad of a preacher I am and how we need new bylaws and whatever you want to, I mean, you can, point is you can find problems with anything. Any church, any relationship, any child, any, wherever you, there's problems. I'm the first to admit, I got a lot of problems. I'm not a perfect preacher. But we go from being thankful to picking out everything wrong and complaining. Do you know when God gives you something, you got to take care of it? The children of Israel were going into the promised land. They're like, yeah, we're going to take this whole land. And, and God told them, no, I'm not going to give it all to you at once because you can't handle it. You can't maintain it. Wild animals would come and live in the houses because you can't even cut the grass. You got to take care of what God gives you. You know, you don't have to try to complain. You don't have to try to be negative or stingy or selfish. It just comes natural. Natural instinct. You don't even have to teach a baby to be selfish. You don't have to teach somebody to complain or be negative. But you do have to try to be thankful and grateful. It takes some effort. 116 times in the Bible we see the word thanks. And 73 of those say, give thanks. A command. Give thanks. If I give you a gift, does it cost me something? Yep. Unless I went and took it out of mom's closet. No. Yes, it costs you something. It costs me something to give you a gift. If the Bible commands us, I forgot how many times, 73 times to give thanks that means it's going to cost me something to give thanks, to be thankful, to be grateful. It costs me. It's a choice I have to make. I need to make an effort. Well, it's the thought that counts. No, it's not. I don't agree with that. No, it's not the thought that counts. I don't know what you're thinking. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So maybe if you talk a while, I'll know what you're thinking. Give thanks. A heart of gratitude is a heart of praise. Praise equals thanksgiving. It's the same thing. The meaning of the word praise. Do you spend more time speaking thanks or praise? Pointing out what you're grateful for in your life? about your kids, your wife, your husband, your job, your church, your ministry? Do you point out good things or what you're grateful for? How about your country, USA? Or do you spend more time complaining and pointing out the problems with all of those things, the negative about all those things? I remind you today that there's power in your praise. There's power in your thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving, it's the same, the same word. There is power in giving thanks. Well, my gosh, that sure is a simple, simple thing that you're bringing to us today. Yeah, it's simple, but it could change your life. 
there's power in giving thanks. But you got to practice because it doesn't come natural. The more you practice at it, the better you get. Practice makes, no, tired. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, perfect. perfect practice makes, never mind. Remember in Acts 16, 25, when Paul and Silas got locked up for doing the right thing and they got thrown into a prison and they were beaten and laying there in the septic tank with chains all over them. And in the middle of the night, instead of belly aching and crying and moaning and complaining, what they chose to do was give thanks, praise. They started singing to God. Thank you, God. What happened? They saw the Holy Spirit move. They saw power. Their chains fell off. Remember in Matthew 11, Jesus was dealing with his cousin John's disciples and they came and told him that, that John had been killed in prison and, and Jesus seems to get kind of upset. And then Jesus starts talking about how he can't account for this generation of people. They're so, they're so up and down and pretty much they're crybabies. And then Jesus starts going off about these cities, places that he had put a lot into and not seen much return. Jesus seems to be getting a little bit worked up. Remember, He was all man, all God. And then in verse 25, the Message Bible says it like this in, in Matthew 11, verse 25. Abruptly, He's getting worked up. He's getting upset about these cities and His cousin died. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. It's almost like He remembered. Like He kind of caught Himself. Thank you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth. Did you know the proper response to frustration, hurt, anger, questions of why, is thank you. Thank you, Father. What? Something bad happened? Thank you. Uh, another transmission went out. Thank you, Father. That's not your natural response. If it is, we have counseling and prayer for that. It doesn't come natural. But Jesus gives us an example here. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. In other words, you're in control of everything. He reminded himself, he's the Lord of heaven and earth. Thanks, Dad, because you're in control of all of this, even if I don't understand. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls. But you've spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Then Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. It changed the way he dealt with people. But now tenderly. He gave him a little grace, some sympathy for the people he was talking to. It changed his actions. He gave thanks and it changed everything. Jesus knew the power of gratitude. Of thanks, of praise, same thing. If you want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, you better practice gratitude. We all we want the power. I want the Holy Spirit to dwell in me, and I wanna I wanna do these great things, and I wanna pray for people and see them healed. Well, practice gratitude. Jesus knew it. Paul knew it. We see it all throughout his letters. Paul knew it. David knew it. Look at Psalms 118. 118, 
17. I'll read it to you in the Message Bible. We're going to read two Psalms real quick. I didn't die, I lived. Went through a lot of hard things. And now I'm telling the world what God did. God tested me. He pushed me hard. Anybody ever felt like that? Okay, God, you're pushing me kind of hard. David said he pushed me hard. But he didn't hand me over to death. I'm still alive. You know if God never did another thing for you, that you could spend the rest of your life thanking Him for what He's already done and never run out of things to be thankful for. If He never did another thing to bless you or help you, just the cross you could spend from now on thanking Him for it. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. It's not... I could spend the rest of my life thanking Him for that if He never did another thing for me. He didn't hand me over to death. Swing wide the city gates. The righteous gates. I'll walk right through and what? Thank God. That's how you walk through the gates. This temple gate belongs to God. So the victors can enter and praise or give thanks. That's the purpose. So that they can enter and give praise or thanks. Thank you for responding to me. You've truly become my salvation. The stone the Masons declared as flawed is now the capstone. This is God's work. We rub our eyes. We can hardly believe it. This is the very day God acted. Let's celebrate and be festive. Salvation now, God. Salvation now, oh yes, God. A free and full life. Look at Psalm 100. On your feet now, applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourselves into His presence. Wait, I can sing myself into His presence? That's pretty cool. You can sing yourself into His presence. Know this. God is God and God, God. He made us. We didn't make Him. We're His people. His well-tended sheep. Enter. Enter what? Enter into His presence. With the password, thank you. We enter into God's presence and that's our password? We couldn't figure out the password on the computer this morning. You're sitting there trying different passwords. You ever been there? You can't remember a password. You can't, you can't get on the internet. You can't do what you're trying to do. You ever felt like that with God's presence? But God, I just need to get in your presence. God, I need that peace and the joy that I know is in your presence. I need to be, what's the password? David said it right here. Here's the password to get into the presence. This is the Holy Spirit Wi-Fi password right here. It's real simple. Ready? Thank you. But yet so many times we don't do it. Think of everything that's wrong. Make yourself at home talking praise. Thank Him. Worship Him. For God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal always and ever. So thank you opens the door. 
Some of you may know and some of you may not, but today is what we celebrate as Christians as Pentecost Sunday. So today's, you know, we celebrate Easter. And then after the resurrection, when Jesus came back and he told his the disciples to wait, wait until power from on high comes to you. Wait. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to the disciples. Well, that's today. Think about how long ago it was when I preached the Easter message. It seems like a long time to me. They're waiting that long. So that's today and that's what that's what we celebrate today. Today's Pentecost Sunday. Jesus told them to wait. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. That was Acts 1.8. How do I receive the power? Be thankful. Look at Ephesians 5.15. Ephesians 5.15. This is Paul's letter, instructions to the church at Ephesus. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Notice how, notice how Paul says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. He compared being full of the Spirit to being drunk with wine. We're going to go back to that in just a minute. I'll read you a couple more verses. We're going to talk about that. 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Notice the progression, you're full of the Spirit. And then you're speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You're singing, worship, praise. Verse 20, giving thanks always for some of the things in your life. Oh, I'm sorry. For the good things that have happened in your life. No. For all things unto God and the Father in the same of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Giving thanks. The being full of the Holy Spirit, it produces thanks. Singing and worship and songs and hymns and spiritual songs and, and thanks. We want to be filled with the Spirit. So why did Paul compare it to being drunk? I've never really stopped and... And thought about it, but most people get drunk for two reasons. One, courage. Two, happiness. Either for some reason, they're not happy and they want to get drunk to be happy or to cover up the pain or the reason they're not happy. Or courage. To go and talk to that girl or whatever. You ever heard somebody say, I need a glass of liquid courage? That's, that's why. That's the two main reasons. It makes you brave. It takes your fear away. If you're heartbroken, 
It makes you happy. You forget. If you're hurt, if you're scared, it'll take away the fear. If you're stressed out, you forget about whatever it is you're stressed out about. If you get drunk. Getting drunk doesn't take away any of the problems. They're still there. Just as bad. And most of the time it makes it worse. Because you've spent this time being drunk instead of dealing with the problems. It doesn't change the circumstances. It doesn't make you look better either. <clears throat> so you, some of you think it makes you not care. That's what it does. And the reason you were had the courage to walk up and, and get that girl's number after you drank a few was not, it didn't make you look better or anything. It was, you didn't care. So being filled with the Holy Spirit gives you real courage and happiness. It may not magically change the situation, but it or He, Holy Spirit, is God, it's He, will give you courage and joy. And that's how God designed it. That's what we're searching for. That's what people are searching for when they go get drunk is because there's this void there that says, I need courage. I need happiness. I need, I have this problem in my life. I don't know how to deal with this army that's surrounding me. What we talked about a, a few minutes ago in Second Kings 6, when Gehazi, uh, the Elisha's servant, was so scared because thousands of soldiers were surrounding him, trying to kill him. And Elisha could have handed him a bottle and said, here, swig on this, buddy. And he could have got drunk, and that would have temporarily worked. He wouldn't have been scared about the army anymore if he had enough to drink. But instead, Elisha said, God, the Holy Spirit, open his eyes. It took away the fear. Because he was no longer focused on the problem, on what was around him. See, that's how God designed it. Getting drunk on wine is just a cheap imitation of what the Holy Spirit was designed to do in your life. Give you courage to act and do what God's calling you to do, to, to make you happy, to help you heal from hurt and pain. Elisha prayed that God would open his eyes, and he did. I don't want to settle for fake courage fake happiness or fake joy. The Holy Spirit gives real peace and courage by opening your eyes. If you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. So, the Holy Spirit isn't a force to be conjured. It's a friendship to be cultivated. And I think a lot of times we get it wrong like it's some kind of magic force that we got we can do these different things and and we make it so weird. I've seen so many different Christians make talking about the Holy Spirit into some weird thing that my day-to-day -day relationship with God now becomes a Harry Potter movie and 
I have to speak partial tongue and roll my eyes back in my head and get on my hands and knees and bark like a dog or something. It, we make it this weird thing and then say, it's the Holy Spirit. And God's like, uh-uh, that ain't me. Uh, he's lying. That's not what the Holy Spirit, it's not some weird thing. But that's the kind of thing we think of when somebody says abusing the Spirit. Is that crazy, out there stuff. But guess what? Did you know neglect is abuse too? Think about a, a, a child. Child abuse can be violence or something like that. But guess what? Neglect is abuse too. If you neglect a child, it can kill them just as fast or faster than violence or other types of abuse can hurt them. Don't neglect the spirit or the power that he brings because some people have made it weird or wrong. So in Acts, um, Acts 5, I'll just kind of catch you up to the story and then we'll read a couple of verses there, but kind of what's going on without reading. Go back and read the whole chapter. Um, this week sometime when you got some time it's it's a pretty interesting story so these they're preaching and the apostles and they're out preaching and they're preaching in Jesus's name and and the religious leaders and people get together and they decide that we're going to lock them up should we kill them and what they want to do is kill them so they lock them up and angels come and let them out of the jail that night and they ran straight back to the church and started preaching again. So the next day, court was held, and they showed up in court, and they sent the police to go get them out of jail and bring them to their trial, and there was nobody in the jail. Doors were all locked, and the guards were still at their post, and no one was in the jail. These dudes were already back in the church preaching because God let them out the night before. So they're like, what? And somebody came and told them and said, no, they already got out of jail. They're back over here preaching. So... They go and get them out of the, get them out of the church again and they bring them back up there and like, we told you not to talk about Jesus anymore. In the back of their mind, they're thinking, how in the world did they even get out of the jail? That would have been enough for me. I'd have been like, look, I'm going to leave these guys alone. But nah, these dudes, they want to keep on. So they bring them in there and they're having trial and they're like, should we kill them? What should we do? And one guy spoke up, one smart guy, and he says, look, we don't need to kill them. See, these other people have come like Jesus and said they were something special and then they had all these followers and then it just fizzled out. It's happened several times before. It'll just fizzle out if it's not God and if it is God, we don't want to mess with it anyway. So let's not kill them. Let's just let them go and tell them not to. And so they decide that, okay, we'll just beat them real bad. That's what we'll do. We'll get them and we'll whip them real bad and just mess them up and hurt them pretty bad. And then we'll tell them, you're not allowed to talk about Jesus anymore. And we'll let them go, but we won't kill them. Oh, yeah, that's a good plan. So they called them back in there, took their robes off of them and beat them. This isn't a little Easter play where they were just like patty caking them on the back. They beat them with whips and ripped their backs open and tortured them for preaching about Jesus. And they tortured these men. And when they were bloody and beaten, 
They let him go. Look what verse 40 says. And to him they agreed, the guy that said, let's just beat him and not kill him. To him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. You know that name that we freely sung about earlier and we said probably a thousand times in this worship service already today. We have the freedom to speak. And then they let them go. And they, de- they departed from the presence of the council. Rejoicing? With bloody backs? After being tortured? For doing the right thing? Well, that word rejoicing must mean something different. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer the shame for His name. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not. They didn't even stop to teach and preach Jesus Christ. That word rejoicing, they let them go and they went away rejoicing. It's a Greek word and it means to rejoice, to be glad, to be delighted, joyful, thankful, joying. They were happy. They were thankful for torture. Now let somebody torture one of y'all and let me see if you're thankful Monday morning. Let you go get tortured tonight and then let me see if you're thankful Monday morning. These guys were. I mean, I I know it's weird for me. My preacher brain... uh, I'm thinking of messages and talks and stuff that I could give, but I can kind of see where they were coming. It says they went house to house. Man, they had a good illustration now. Hey, hey, look at my bag. Oh, my God, that's disgusting. What happened to you? Did you get attacked by a tiger? Nope. Foot in the door. Now I can talk about Jesus. That's what these guys were doing. They were using it. I'm not dead. It didn't kill me. So I can use it to talk about God. That's what gratitude does. It can take a horrible, painful, ugly, nasty situation and turn it into a platform. For God to use it. I had a heck of an illustration for a long time. And then they could still use the scars. Look at my back. Remember Paul said, count it all joy. The good, the bad, the pain, everything, count it all joy. What does that mean? Be thankful for all of it. Because our God's so big and so powerful, He can use everything. Not just the good. Guess what? You know those guys could have quit. Or they could have took some time off to heal or, or... Pray about the direction of the ministry because it doesn't seem to be going well. That's what I would have done. I've been thrown in jail twice. I just had the stew beat out of me all night last night. I'm going to take some time off. Sabbatical, that sounds good. Right? And who would have blamed them? I wouldn't. You're right, dude. Go heal. You're fine. You know what? Take your time. See ya. Step down for a season. We got all these nice things that we like to church it up with, but 
Who would have blamed them if they walked away? Not me. But they found the good in the torture. And then they used it for God. If you use your past, it loses the power to use you. If you'll start to, if you don't use your past, it'll abuse you. It'll use you. It'll keep coming up. It'll hurt you. But if you figure out how to use your past, it loses its power to use you. That's how you'll see the power. If we're going to wrap it up, three things, three things that you can do to see the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Number one, be thankful. Practice gratitude. Just decide that every person you come in contact with tomorrow or or go through your phone and, and everybody in there that you're going to tell them some reason you're thankful for them. Or that you're going to go into your job and you're going to be thankful for it, even if you hate it. That you're going to find something to be thankful for. Well, preacher, you don't know what I've been through. You've never been through what I've been through. True. You need to just give me a minute. All right. I'm glad those guys didn't do that. Do you want to move in power? Do you want to see the church grow? Do you you want to see more people come to Jesus? You know, that's the ultimate job of the Holy Spirit. It's not to make you speak another language. That can be part of it. But the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is that more people would come to know Jesus and what He did for them. So if that means speaking in tongues to some people that need to understand in those tongues and that's going to bring them to Jesus, then that's the Holy Spirit. Or if that means being a grateful person that's a good example to the world that you're placed in, it's the Holy Spirit. Be thankful, especially in seasons when you shouldn't be. Especially, that's when it counts the most. When other people are looking at your life and they're saying, man, he's going through all that and he's still thankful. He's still picking out stuff and reasons and, and why and how God's using it. And the guy, he's still full of joy and hope. And What? That's what makes people want what you have. Not when you sit around belly aching all the time. Belly aching. I like that. Think about it. If you went to work, well, for some of you, if you went to work tomorrow and said, man, I'm thankful for this job, some of your coworkers would probably fall out on the floor. What's wrong with you? Well, they might think you had a little too much wine, what we were talking about earlier. No, what's wrong with you? Maybe you're full of the Spirit. And then that gives you the foot in the door. Oh, well, 
You know, I love Jesus, and I heard a message yesterday at church, and it reminded me, I am grateful for this job. I'm glad I'm not homeless. I'm glad, I'm, I guarantee you there's something you can find to be thankful for, and that opens the door to talk to people. I've talked to a lot of people over the last nine years of pastoring this church that have had marriage problems, and never once has the problem in their marriage been that one was too grateful for the other one. Now, I can't stand him. He's way too thankful for me. Sick and tired of the gratitude. Never heard that once. Number two. It's number one. Be thankful. Number two. Take in the Word. It's important. The Word is life. In this Bible and in this Word and when you hear God speak and God will give you words and nuggets and you've got to take in the word. You've got to, you've got to read it. You've got to study it. You've got to let that word be deposited into you for the Holy Spirit to work. Um, let, the word of Christ, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3 says, um, I should have looked that up, but. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly um, in all wisdom, singing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs. You guys know that uh, that verse. We want the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. Well, we need to read it. We need to study it. We need to learn it. Let him speak to us. Um, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance the words that I have spoken. Okay, so that's part of the Holy Spirit's job. When the Holy Spirit's in you, He'll bring to remembrance. He will remind you the words that Jesus has spoken. But guess what? You can't remember what you haven't heard. I pictured the Holy Spirit's there like He's always with us and never leave us. And we're in this bad situation. And He's like, man, I want to remind you of something, but you won't listen. There's nothing there to remind you of. Like He wants to give you ammo to get through this hard time or things that you can be grateful of. But... You didn't listen. You didn't read. You didn't hear it. You didn't hide this word in my heart, like Scripture tells us. So there's nothing hidden in there for Him to remind you of. It's important. The Word. Hide it in your heart. Go over it. Dwell in it. Dwell on it. Let it dwell in you. The third one. Singing. The last part of that, what, that Colossians 3.16, and singing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, sing. Do you know that's one of over 100 times that you're commanded in the Bible to sing to God? Over 100 times you're commanded to sing to God. Worship, to sing praises to Him. It's the second most commanded Christian discipline in Scripture behind prayer. The only other thing we're commanded to do more times in Scripture than sing is pray. We're created to worship. We're created to sing to God. Creation. Romans says that creation groans. Because you're just wanting to cry out praises to God. One day I believe they will. 
and all is made right and Jesus sets up his kingdom and trees and rocks and creation is going to cry out. Even the animals, like Narnia. Romans said they're groaning right now. God, I wish I could sing praises to him. We can. We wait till Sunday morning, 30 minutes, if nobody hits a bad note on the worship team. Sing. We're commanded to sing. I'm going to close with this last little thought and the end of a story. We're commanded to sing to God. And, and Scripture tells us that God is singing over us. In multiple places, he, he rejoices over us with singing. He gives thanks over us with singing. God's singing over us, right? You know you're not just singing to God. You're singing with God. That's cool. When I, when I sing in my office by myself, it's good and it's time for me and God. But there's something different and special that happens when I sing in corporate worship with all of you together. When we sing. How cool is that, that God's singing over us so that when we choose to sing to Him, we're singing with God. In harmony with God. When we choose to let the Holy Spirit sing thanks and praise through us. In Luke 15, we hear the story of the shepherd that leaves the 99. And he goes and finds the one dumb sheep. He's got a hundred sheep and one of them's lost. And, and the one dumb sheep, it's a teenager and it does its own thing. And it falls off a cliff or whatever. We don't know exactly what happened to it. And he goes and he finds the sheep. He leaves the 99. He, he does something that's reckless. He does something that's not very smart. He, he does something that his financial advisor would tell him not to do. Don't leave the 99. At least you still have 99. Don't leave 99 and go look for one. Just forget about that one because he's dumb and he's probably, you know, he's going to cause you trouble in the future anyway. So just keep the 99 and they'll have babies next year and you'll have more than 100. No. Because that's not our God. He left the 99 and he, and he went in search of the one. And Luke 15, 5 tells us that he put it on his shoulders and he rejoices or he sings all the way back home because he found the one little idiot. I found him. Just like the father ran to the prodigal, and just like the woman found the coin and rejoiced over the one coin that was lost, that was found, he put it on his shoulders and he gave thanks. He rejoiced. He sang. Because that's the, the father's heart towards us, towards his kids. He sings over us. He rejoices over us. He wants us to have the spirit. He wants us to have the courage and the joy that comes from his spirit. That's what he... Most people that are alcoholics, they become alcoholics in their teen years before their brain knows how to deal with trauma and stress. And, and so they turn to that. God placed this thing inside of us to need the Holy Spirit because that gives us that courage. That gives us the happiness. That helps us make it through the pain or the breakup or the whatever it is that drove us to that. Turn to the Spirit. 
Don't turn to a cheap imitation. Enter into his presence with the password, thank you. Happy people are not the ones that have the best of everything. They're the ones that make the best of everything they have. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. You're in control of everything. Remind us of that. When we start worrying and stressing and trying to figure stuff out and getting negative and, and pointing out all the problems and all the reasons why we should be upset and why we remind us to thank you, to live a lifestyle of gratitude, to be thankful for what we have, that we could thank you from now on for the things that you've done for us. God, we want to see a mighty move of the Spirit in our lives and in our church. But the reality is, if you never did another thing, we could spend the rest of our lives thanking you for what you've already done. You're awesome. Hallowed be your name. What a privilege it is to be part of your family and to have your Spirit speak to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that we have access. And that you can use everything that has ever happened to us. Give us true courage and peace and joy. Help us to use our past so that it can't use us anymore. We love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name. Amen.